Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number 23. Uh, and also because of my level of rhythm. So it's just so bursting inside me. But at least now I can control myself. And that, that also brings us into the topic of depending on the level a follower is at. Um, they can bust out and, and dialogue more with the leader. So I don't want to give the impression that followers aren't able to express the music, you know. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, and today... My special guest is a very good friend of mine, Stephanie Gernon from Toronto, Canada. I met her for the first time as an invited guest to teach at one of her Kizomba events back in 2014, I believe. I think it was November Candy Crush or something like that, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, we've, we've gotten in touch and we've shared many stories and insights and ideas and perspectives, mostly about Kizomba, but definitely about life and dance in general as well and it's really a pleasure to have her with us today to talk about this topic that we are really passionate about good morning stephanie hello hello to you charles okay so stephanie i gave the people a little bit of an introduction but go ahead and fill in some of the gaps there okay so my school is called go dance with a z.com and um I've been teaching for many years. I started out with salsa long time ago in Toronto. And I'm also trained in teachings, teaching languages. So that's what I'm bringing to the table today. And I'm looking forward to our juicy topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the topic that we have today for today's podcast. And we've been saying that we're going to record a podcast together for a while now. So it's exciting Mm -hmm. that it's actually happening now. Um, But we actually have a list of like 10 different topics that are possible podcasts in the future. So you guys will definitely be hearing more of Stephanie and other friends of mine in the dance world. But today is a topic that we've discussed quite in depth and we've been nerding out on it so much that we had to Mm -hmm. kind of separate it into two podcasts just to make sure that we give each quote unquote side of the spectrum it's due diligence so we're bringing up being a thinker or a feeler in dance and how it caters to how you learn in the in the dance world i also want to say these aren't two mutually exclusive things so it's not like oh i'm a thinker and i can't feel anything or i'm a feeler and i can't think about anything this is more like two sides of a spectrum that you can slide and fall along mm-hmm. different ways and it's also not like a permanent thing it's definitely something that you can grow exactly. on either side for sure 
But the main goal for this podcast was to help the students find out or give them some tools or maybe a little bit of inspiration to find out what kind of learner they are to give them the empowerment to become a better student. And because when you're a better student, that means you'll be able to progress further in your dance. And with progress, you'll be able to stick and enjoy your dance journey so much more. And then also from an instructor standpoint, both of us are instructors and knowing the learning style of your students is also an empowerment tool to have more impact with your students and get them to really connect to what it is that you're trying to teach and you get to see them grow, which is always a joy to see as an instructor across any learning skill, you know? I think that's the point, the whole point. (laughs) So feelers versus thinkers. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we get into the the characteristics of each, I wanted to kind of just shed a little bit of light on you, Stephanie, of what you think your makeup is and i'll talk a little bit about mine okay so yeah i guess the reason why that topic came up is because when we teach at least when i teach uh, someone comes into class and i'm automatically going to categorize them and see which is their strongest point are they more a thinker or are they more a feeler that way i can cater to their learning and um so that's a really interesting topic because everyone's very different and for myself as a student I'm like 80% feeler 20% thinker but as a teacher I can do both I'm pretty 50-50 and I think that's what allows me to be a more efficient teacher what about you? Um, I would say maybe 70% thinker 30 percent feeler but you were telling me earlier that you think i'm like half and half but Mm -hmm. i will definitely we were talking about it and i was kind of sharing i feel that kizomba has definitely pushed my feeler side to grow to where it is the even balance between both of them just being really like the the big word that comes to mind right now is just empathy like really thinking about the other person seeing how they feel how they think uh, being wanting to make this sure that they're, I guess, warm, feeling like they're taken care of. So like yeah. it's almost like there's a more of a, a selflessness in Kizomba. But at the same time, you're expressing yourself at the same time. But I feel like those really good dancers that the the follows seek out are definitely ones that are able to connect with the person, you know, and feel what they're feeling and kind of share that moment together. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, in this podcast, listeners, we're going to be sharing some characteristics and some stories, personal stories of the thinker side of this spectrum. And in the next podcast, we'll talk about the feelers. And towards the end of the podcast, we'll talk about some tips for students and instructors and just kind of shed some light on that dynamic and how it might show up in a dance class or even not even a dance class, but a class period whether you're learning karate or how to program or speaking another language, all of this will definitely help out with all of that for sure, because learning is learning, but we love learning in dance. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and give the floor to Stephanie and share some of her insights on the characteristics of thinkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting because I'm in the thinkers and feelers. It's, it's very broad. Um, yet I'm still 
just focusing on those two things. And so what I've noticed in my experience is that thinkers tend to be cerebral, obviously. So they, they have to process things in such a way that it makes sense to them before they execute the movements, for example. Um, they're always going to want the counts in the music. Mm-hmm. They're very detail-oriented. They pause a lot and they sometimes put their partner aside to really grasp or um, grasp the, the move. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, generally speaking, the thinker is going to also be visual. So instead of uh, kinesthetic or feeler type. So they're going to want to watch the teacher demonstrate, not just once, but a few times, and then they'll try it out themselves. Thinkers also are very, very concerned about being right or wrong. So they put a lot of pressure on themselves to get it right. And often we find the people in life <laughs> who do <are> that <laughs> way um, project onto other people that they should be just as right as they are. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so the thinker sometimes can fall into that you know, trying to tell the other partner what to do um, instead of listening to the teacher. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what came to mind or the the statement that jumped out to me when we were talking about this before was the mind tells the body what to do. And I think that like hits the nail on the head very much so because they're trying to get their mind in process to make sure everything makes sense in their mind before their body. And I, I mean, this, I can just think of so many stories for myself. Like I'm in a class and the teacher is showing the move and I'm like, okay, no, no, give me the counts. I need to know. Okay. My left foot. One and left foot two, pivot three. I need like a sequential breakdown of everything, you know? And then like there's almost like a a trust issue with my partner. It's like I want to make sure I'm able to lead it without the assistance of the instructor. Because if I'm just doing it with the assistance of the instructor, then it's it's not gonna work when I do it on my own, you know? And we talked about like <laughs> being each other's students or having a student like ourselves in our classes and probably we'll, we'll get annoyed of ourselves because <laughs> yeah. um, I usually say like I'm the guy that's kind of like okay I take a concept what the teacher teaches to me and then I'm immediately breaking it and trying to put it back together again to make sure that it works the way it's supposed to work outside of the realm of his class which could be seen as a as a disruptance in the class. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I've had students like that as well. And initially, when I wasn't so aware of my learning style, I would get annoyed by that person. It's like, you need to pay attention to my class. I'm the one yeah. that's leading the class. Pay attention. But as I became more aware of myself, I'm like, ah, this is the way I learn. That's probably the way that he learns as well. So if his skill level is there to where I feel like he can kind of learn on his own and he pays attention at the key moments and he's able to execute to the follows well, then I quick it and give him a pass to kind of tinker around so he is catering to his learning style. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk more about that later of like having multiple learning styles in a dance class as an instructor and trying to cater to all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the thinkers uh, definitely tell their bodies what to do. And, and and it, sometimes I make jokes. I say, well, tell your leg what you want it to do. And then <laughs> it makes them laugh, you know. 
um, talk to your leg. I say talk to your foot. <laughs> and they're also very, very keen on, like you said, you know, just getting it right, seeing the mechanics of it. The more visual they are, the more they're going to want to see it inside out as well and uh, claim it as their own. Mm. But usually thinkers take a longer time to grasp it. They want to go in by themselves at home or with a partner outside of the class and practice until perfect mm -hmm. before they show it in a social environment. They're very prepared, uh, very meticulous. Um, they're the ones who aren't going to improvise funny enough because they might want to take it like an engineer and see it in a 3D way, mm -hmm. um, which is still very creative. But again, they're not going to show that and expose themselves on the dance. So they have to be in control and for themselves, but also like you said, you want to make sure the partner is also um, enjoying themselves or not going to reproach them of getting it wrong. Yeah, you mentioned before the the high probability of them taking privates before they actually go out social dancing just to yes. make sure they have everything right. Oh, yes. I've had a student take two years of privates before he went out. That's extreme. Really? But, wow. Yeah, but he was a definite thinker, that's for sure. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, so, but it I makes mean, a lot of sense. Then you also have personality type, introvert, extrovert. He was extremely introverted, so that adds to it. But, so then they're meticulous, I was saying, and they, yeah, they just want to practice a lot. It What ha ends up happening is they're a little more mechanical when they dance. So they're going to the time... Maybe not so much the rhythms. You know, they're not exploring rhythmical variations. They want mm. the strict pattern that the teacher gave them. And they're going to build their own sequences and repeat them. So as a follower, you figure them out pretty quickly because they're repeating the same order of things. Mm, definitely. It's um, all like safety, you know, safety so that they can say they're right. For sure. I definitely want to get into more about how thinkers could present themselves on the social dance floor. But mm -hmm. one thing that you were mentioning before was like you were giving trigger words or like key words to the thinkers in the class, like tell your leg what to do. Um, or do you have any other things that you were talking about it before that there were certain trigger words that can kind of get thinkers to kind of tap into that resource and use mm -hmm. that to kind of achieve what they're trying to do in class. Mm -hmm. So a friend of mine just last week is a motivational speaker and he was uh, bringing to my attention that I could even take it one step further and use trigger words because we were talking about the fingers and feelers and he was very interested. He's also a dancer. And he said, you know, you can say, for example, to the thinkers, look at me or, you know, watch my dancing. Uh, think about this step. So you, you, it's not just about imitating um, what kind of learning style they are and throwing it back at them. They're actually like words that wake them up 
to it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It kind of gets that's them to like trigger figure. Words. Exactly, for sure. I think that's awesome. I've dabbled in a little bit of studying like motivational speaking just because as an instructor and speaking in front uh-huh. of a large crowd, it is a form of public speaking, you know, and the more yep. you're able to speak effectively and communicate your ideas and your thoughts, the more impact you're able to have and the more you're able to connect with your audience mm-hmm. and trigger words. I never thought about that before, but it makes perfect sense. So it makes me want to investigate more into that just to become a better effective communicator which will directly affect my my teaching ability in the in the classroom you know Mm -hmm. yeah so let's talk about thinkers on the dance floor and you said before they might be a little bit more mechanical and i'm pretty sure some of the follows that are listening can immediately call out a couple of their friends in their head (laughs) who fit this description you know um They tend to definitely think about the patterns in the sequential order, like counting one to eight. You might hear them counting on the dance floor. They might stop the move because the move didn't flow exactly the way they learned it. So they have to reset and restart the move again from the top versus Mm kind of like treating the move like Lego blocks and just kind of flowing with it or going with the flow, which is definitely something Ophelia would do. But we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. I can remember some of my earlier years of learning to dance and how I kind of just, okay, this is going to be the move. I'm going to go one, two, three, and then this is going to happen. But I wasn't really paying attention to when I did it in the music or finding like if it was a fancier move, you want to find a good moment in the song to execute that move versus doing it right at the beginning. I mean, even learning a more advanced move, you want to be aware of the follow that you're dancing with and make sure she has the skill level to follow that move, you know. But I mean, if you're so focused on the move and yourself, the follow can definitely feel like they're not dancing with them. You're more dancing or using them as a prop to execute their moves, you know. And this is not something that they're doing intentionally to like make you feel bad or anything like that. But it's just kind of like the way that their brain is wired. Yeah, and they're giving so much juice to their brain (laughs) that they forget about projecting energy, which is called connection, to the other person. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just the the button that they could flick on that says, oh, hi, partner. You know, are you having a good time? In their head, just just, uh, directing energy to the partner, uh, they will feel that. And so if the thinker is really in their head, the the follower will not receive that energy and she'll feel cut off. She won't understand why, but she won't feel the warmth from the person, from the thinker. And I'm talking extreme thinker, right? Not saying that thinkers can't be warm. Exactly. Or, or switch to a more feeler mode. For um, sure. Mm-hmm. And, and just like we mentioned before, it's like a percentage, you know? And I'm pretty sure that percentage can can swing one way or another depending on who they're dancing with as well because sometimes that can yeah, absolutely. trigger music or if it inspires them or not mm-hmm. inspiration that's that's a very one dancing yeah. when you feel inspired versus dancing when you feel demotivated oh yeah that's <laughs> a big difference that, yes for sure so i i, I wanted to say something sure. i see it as layers so the extreme thinker is just about how you mentioned, it's very mechanical and not connecting to the music of the partner, the holy trinity, as you say. Mm-hmm. But then you they need to be aware to add layers. So like switch the thinking off 
and now just breathe and do very simple steps and connect with your partner. And then the other layer, uh, open your ears and what are you going to listen for in order to imitate your steps and reflect the music? What are you going to do to be playful, you know, and and be kind of entertaining and light? Because the thinker can be a little bit heavy Mm -hmm. in his energy, you know. Um, and, And also, like I was saying, cut off, blocked. There's a wall the follower yeah for sure i mean the key word would be just having fun you know with your partner and making sure you're enjoying the dance for sure sometimes they don't know how to have fun when you say oh you know relax play they don't understand that language so one quick note on having fun and then i want to delve a little bit into the holy trinity that you mentioned before Um, so having fun we're just talking about mental capacity you know like i feel like and you talked about stages or layers, like it's definitely important to go through that phase of learning something, you know, and like, okay, these are the steps that you need to learn. First, process the information, go through your practice, get your repetition in, exercise your brain. But once that becomes, that that focus becomes more of a back seat in your mm-hmm. mind, now what you can focus on is being in the present moment and mm-hmm. trying to connect with your partner and hearing the type of music that you're dancing to, you know, because certain moves fit well with certain songs, you know, especially in the Kizoma world. If you're listening to a more quote unquote traditional song or a more urban song, you definitely want to be able to kind of change up your flow and not just execute the moves to execute the moves just because you hear an eight count, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole nother podcast in itself of just a mental capacity. And one last thing I will say on that. I've heard a lot of instructors say that they recommend the leads to do simpler moves so that way it doesn't take up so much mental capacity so they are able to focus on being in the present moment and connecting with their partners versus when they choose to do more advanced moves and more challenging moves, now that mental capacity increases but then so does the space that's left to connect to their partner and be in the present moment and listening to the music, you know? So it seems like, of course, I feel an advanced dancer can do challenging moves without sacrificing that key aspect of being in the present moment, connecting with their partner and connecting with their music. Mm -hmm. It's easier to be fast than slow in anything. In anything. So when it pertains to Kizomba dancing in particular, slow is cool <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure and, and slow even i have to remind myself to to go slowly because i love cool moves i love how intricate a rhythm can be um and i definitely do contrast but i don't do a lot of just slow as a leader and maybe that's just because I, I don't want to be too slow with all the ladies, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, well, Toronto, just comparing the dance scene in general, is probably a more advanced scene that we have that we have here in North America versus yeah. other places in the U.S. So you probably have a higher caliber of follower there that you're able to do that without detracting away from the dance, you know? True, yeah. I Just from what I've seen, I could that's probably quite true mm-hmm. i will back this up statement because I, I travel a lot across okay a lot cool. of them so i will put I'm not saying it's the truth but i will say probably montreal and canada are probably leading the u.s right now as far as kizomi oh, montreal concerned. and toronto yeah yeah for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about the Holy Trinity here, and then we can talk a little bit about some tips for instructors and students and give them that empowerment piece that we we're talking about before. Mm-hmm. But I definitely want to touch on the Holy Trinity because I think that's really, really, really important. This could be a podcast in itself, but we're just going to give you guys a little snippet. I call it the connection trifecta, but I'll go ahead and let Stephanie mm-hmm. share her insights of that, of connecting with yourself, connecting with your partner, and connecting with the music from her perspective. Well, just on Sunday, I so I have a social that I've been running for 12 years in Salsa, but uh, three and a half years in Chizomba. So we have two rooms, and we have the beginner class just before the social. And as often as I can, I, I really like to go over not just the basic steps, but the Holy Trinity. So I, was, I would say, for example, right now you've been focusing on yourself probably because it's new and you're you know, trying to get all the moves and, and make sense of everything. Um, but how about we just take one move, let's say the, the Samba basic, side to side, just stay with that. You're going to hear the music and ladies, just close your eyes. And gentlemen, you can as well because we're not traveling. So you don't have to look out for her. And just feel, you know, feel, absorb the music, listen to the music. Then we do next, another exercise where perhaps we open the eyes, uh, but we give energy to the partner. And I just I ask them afterwards, do you feel a difference in the energy? And of course, their faces light up and they nod and did they feel it? And I think that gives them another experience of the dance class. It's not just about the moves, which it never really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just find that when the social starts immediately afterwards, the energy is so warm and everyone's broken the ice. Um, so that's what I like to do. I have to just remember to keep saying it in the upper levels as well, just so that they remember. And it's, it's just something that I've noticed over the years and I, you know, I'm a little bit playful when i say it's the holy trinity exactly for sure i mean i think it's really important because i feel like once you embody that those three areas of connection if you will like the connection that you have with your partner and the music can kind of shine light back on yourself and then people are using moves to try to get into that trinity into that trinity if you will but also being in that trinity can help you create new moves you know so it's kind of like this give and take or catch 22 between both of them you know i feel like as an advanced dancer you you start to realize connecting with your partner and listening to the music can give you the moves that you're looking for versus trying to use the moves to get to there so you kind of flip the perspective if you will yeah that's nice yeah and also i i tell the uh, leaders that your order might be very different than the followers so the leader will do so it's myself Maybe he, he's going to choose between the partner and the music. He can choose. Probably he's going to do partner and then music if he's a thinker. <laughs> if he's a feeler, he's going to do music, then partner. Mm, that's Perhaps. an interesting perspective. And then for the follower, I would say you're going to focus on you most likely. Sometimes they will focus on the partner first. Uh, second, Usually women will listen to the music 
and then focus on the partner, you know, especially once they, they know the moves. Um, the first thing is they're a little worried about getting the right steps. But women often like to just, you know, they, they seem to absorb music and that's why they're there. They, they want to move and groove. Mm-hmm. And if the partner isn't giving that to them, they'll, they'll do it on their own. <laughs> and that's why followers tend to back lead or get excited. And in Kizomba, I find that's a really big challenge. I mean, because I'm such a music person. Oh, I, you know, sometimes I'm just like overwhelmed with what I could be doing. Um, but I have to be a good girl, <laughs> kind of contain myself, mm-hmm. uh, especially because I lead. So I have to really make the difference when I'm following. Uh, and also because of my level of rhythm. So it's just so bursting inside me. But at least now I can control myself. And that that also brings us into the topic of depending on the level a follower is at. Um, they can bust out and, and dialogue more with the leader. So I don't want to give the impression that followers aren't able to express the music. You know. So I'm literally getting goosebumps in here because this is the <laughs> thing. It's like reading a really good book is going to add like five more books to your reading list. You know. <laughs> so you just touched on so many different topics. Listeners, if you could rewind and just go over what she just said again and listen to it again, she really dropped a lot of gold nuggets from the perspective, the order, um, being a good follower, the level of rhythm. So musicality has layers to it. It's not just, oh, I'm musical dancer. No, there's some there's some depth into that being musical. And that's a whole nother world in itself, you know, Um, connecting with one another. And one thing that I also wanted to kind of bring up is a misconception that could be that men tend to be more thinkers and women tend to be more feelers. Yes, that's a good one. Someone just asked me that the other day and I said, no, absolutely not. Mm -mm. Everyone is different. Yeah, definitely. And again, everyone has different percentages. So I did a musicality intensive last week. It was three hours. So, you know, (laughs) lots of information. And um, one lady said, yeah, I'm a a big feeler and I'm a little bit of a thinker. And at the end, she goes, I think I'm a full on feeler. I just can't think. (laughs) That was so funny. And when she came back the next week to a class, she said, you know, I went to Sudbury. That's a, a long drive. It's like, I don't know, six hour drive. She said, I was counting the whole way to music and I was doing my body isolations at the same time to, you know, to match the, the timing and the counts so I could multitask. And I was so proud of her. <laughs> no, it's really awesome. And I really feel, feel that learning to dance is such a great way to start on the path of self-discovery. And it really helps open up a lot of doors. And I've told some of my friends, like, you can't love what you don't know. So if you're going to love yourself, you have to know yourself. And what better way to learn to know yourself is to learn to dance. Mm -hmm. And so I will definitely be one of those people that will be an advocate that says dance has definitely got me on the road to where I I can say that I, I do love myself. And I can definitely say there were some times in the past where I did not 
I could mm-hmm. not look at myself in the mirror and sell and tell myself I love you. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's it's dance is such a beautiful thing. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKids.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. Learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. So um, let's go ahead and steer the podcast now into some some tips. Um, we talked yeah. about at the beginning of the podcast how we want to empower students and empower other instructors to become better students and become better instructors, both of which we're super passionate about. So let's go ahead and start with the students, um, building this awareness with the students, knowing what your type of learner is. You definitely have the power in a class. And we we're talking about this before, Stephanie, to tell the teacher I am a visual learner. I would like for you to repeat that a couple of times to help me out. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I'm more a feeler. Can we have more dance time to practice the move to the music, you know? And we'll talk about the instructors being able to manage multiple learning styles here in, in a few moments. But from a student perspective, I definitely want to encourage you guys to definitely find out and do a little bit of a self analysis and figure out what gets your Mm. brain to trigger. And this is not specific to dance. This is specific to learner. Um, I'm, I recently took a, a strengths finder test and one of my five top strengths was learning. So learning and dance are two things that I'm passionate about, but just the process of learning in itself is something that can give me goosebumps and get me all excited to like talk. And you can probably <laughs> hear it in my voice right now. Um, but just learning and knowing how you learn, because sometimes it can be really frustrating because you're not catering or the instructor unknowingly will teach the way that they learn, which isn't the way that the, the student learns. And now the student feels stupid or inferior or that he can't do it but the thing is it's just he just doesn't know how he learns it's not that he's a bad student or he's not intelligent well this all came up because uh as a student myself over the years i realized that a lot of teachers use one format it's very one-dimensional so you go to new york you go to paris whatever montreal they teach uh, in a train dance studio like jazz um house hip-hop this kind of thing Mm -hmm. is the teacher at the front of the class and they just go five six seven eight copy me and that's it and as a student i would get really frustrated because what if i need a lot of repetition what if i can't stand being put in those lines of four people and then i'm exposed and i have to go down you know the classroom and do the 
the exercise or the drill when I don't even know what it is. It's, it's horrible. And I, I thought about that a lot growing up. Why are the teachers always teaching the same way? What if I learn differently? Yes, the instructors definitely have to realize that there's multiple learning styles out there. And I'll be sure to share an image. There's this one image that I found not too long ago that had like seven different learning personalities. And oh. it's important to know what those are. But I'll share that, that particular image there in the show notes for the podcast. So just to shed a little bit of light on the student's perspective of knowing what their learning personality is, it really mm. gives them empowerment to not get frustrated, to not yeah. give up on a particular skill that they're learning to do new. And they just have to kind of find the teacher that is able to speak their language, if you will, to yeah. get them to learn. Yeah, that's why I find a lot of students put up with things that they shouldn't. You know, they, they don't dare to change teachers they think it's going to get better or they can't really just pinpoint what it is about the class and that they're not getting and they end up berating themselves and and just to add about my own experience mm -hmm. i do get i still get uh frustrated when for example the teacher just shows it once and then i'm supposed to know it i will probably sit down and watch more because I just feel stupid. Plus I, you know, I might have a little ego about being a teacher and a dancer and going like, why can't I get this on top of it mm -hmm. instead of being a newbie. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so I might, you know, then I attract attention. The teacher goes, why are you sitting down? And then I get even more flustered. <laughs> Look at me. I'm having a moment. And I'm not, I don't want to make them feel bad, but yeah, I get moody. So I, I want to say that because other people might get those feelings and wonder, is it me? You know, and probably you're going to be saying that. But perhaps you just need to uh, get over yourself <laughs> and just tell the teacher, you know what, could you please repeat it? No, so... Multiple things are, are flowing through my brain right now. Um, the first thing I would like to say is ego. Ego can definitely play a factor in our learning. And sometimes it can be a hindrance because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you see it with dancers who think they're better than they, what they really are because oh, yeah. they don't know how to self-analyze themselves or maybe just take uh, a bite of humble pie and like actually work on their basics to kind of help their more advanced moves and steps become more fact, solid, you know? Actually, yeah, I do see a lot of teachers, now that I think about it, they're more humble than they are egotistical, but they get extremely frustrated and they're the ones swearing because they can't get it. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So ego, the way ego shows up in the dancing, not just from a student instructor basis, that's an interesting topic on itself. Also, another thing I'd like to talk about is the difference of having a good instructor versus a good dancer or a good performer. You know, those are three mm -hmm. different skill sets. Um, I wrote this blog about the five talents and mm -hmm. uber world class dancer. Mm -hmm. And in the in that particular blog, I'll share I'll share that blog in the show notes. We talked about um, the ability to teach 
the ability to social dance, the ability to perform, the ability to network and market themselves. And the Mm -hmm. fifth thing that I had was just humility. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there are a few dancers out there across all the dance scenes. Um, I'm more connected to the salsa, but I think he's on the scenes, but I'm pretty sure there's some in the swing, tango, belly dance, hip hop world. But Mm -hmm. when you really are able to hit all five of those characteristics on the head, I will put you at a world-class Uber dancer. Mm -hmm. And there aren't that many of those out there, but also people have the choice to say, well, I don't, I don't I'm not really passionate about teaching. I just want to perform or Mm -hmm. I'm not passionate about performing. I really want to teach. And they get to show up or add value to the dance scene how they choose to, you know. And some people are really able to hit all five on the head, depending on how deep they want to get involved in the dance scene. Um, but I wanted to throw that out there as well, because that's definitely another perspective to, to shed some light on this topic as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very good stuff. So now, knowing that an instructor, a good instructor, might not be the most strongest performer Let's talk about how the students can. I'm sorry. Let's talk about how the instructors can benefit from this as well. And like you said before, like you see that instructors seem to teach in a very just uh, one formulaic, way. Yeah, yeah, formulaic way versus trying to be aware adapt. and and adapt yeah. to the students. You know, and yeah. I will not say like. And before we even get into this, I would just want to ask. Or let the students know, like from an instructor standpoint, to actually understand what goes into preparing a one hour class. You know, we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast of how you have to be aware of all the different energies that are present in the room. You have to be aware of the learning styles that you have in the room. You have to have some planning that happened before as well and kind of like preempt questions and possible uh, roadblocks or obstacles, if you will, to learning the pattern, yeah. you know, um, yeah. you have to be fact, able. I'm sorry, sure. but I, it's just funny because there's pre-planning and then planning to not go with the plan. Mm, definitely. <laughs> I never, ever do exactly what I plan ever. And my team knows that they're used to me now. They're like, what happened to this thing? We just practiced. Oh, well, yeah, because it wasn't a, it wasn't the right thing to do at that time. I have a question. Yes. Do you find that your classes flow better when you have a plan, even if you don't execute the plan the way that you planned it? Do you find that your classes go better versus not having a plan at all and kind of winging it all the way through the class? Yeah, I plan maybe 10 percent, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I have experience. Um, so I need a focal point and then I go off. I'm a very intuitive teacher. Mm-hmm. So. I go more with the feeling and then I use my head to make sure and scan and go, okay, is it structured now? Like, am I on track? Am I, you know, because you only have an hour, you have to segment your class and make sure that you, you finish off on a good note. You can't finish in the middle of the move and yeah, go out of sure. time, right? Yeah, definitely. And, so, and flow is the key word for me, like you said, flow in the class. I think that's why that's my main mission in the classroom is to create flow. I'm the orchestrator. I'm multitasking and I'm a conduit. It's not about me. It's about them. And yeah, Oh yeah. It's about them in the class as a whole. So my, I think a teacher always has to remember their mission statement, you know, why they're 
teaching, why they have a business in dance as well, is because you want to actually share your knowledge so that the student receives it and feels good about themselves. For me personally, I want to uplift people. It's not about dancing. I want them to feel like they come to class, they've plugged into another energy that uplifts them, and when they leave the class, they feel warmer. They feel better about themselves. They feel excited about they're, you know, just walking outside and it puts a pep in their step and then mm-hmm. they carry that outside to their other life. Definitely. And that's my mission. That's, that's awesome to hear. And that's why I have you on the podcast. And I think that's why we've been in contact for how many years now? Like over two years now, just, and we've only seen each other once. Yeah. In person. That's true. Wow. But, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I feel like our, our missions kind of align with each other, like what we want to give to the dancing. And we just so happen to both teach Kizomba, you know. But even outside of Kizomba, I feel like that's just the path that we're using to inspire and uplift people to become better versions of themselves, you know. And while yeah. I was hearing you talk, a quote came up to me by Martha Graham, the one that's like, there are shortcuts to happiness and dancing is one of them. Uh-huh. And I feel like there are many things in life that can uplift people to a higher version of themselves, to a higher energy, to a more pep to kind of make life seem worth living. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's so many negative things. There's people that are depressed and things like that. So definitely dancing is what we use. And as an instructor, we're trying to ch- tap into that, energy of happiness to kind of uplift people and get them to not be depressed and to really connect and socialize and and be happy and then that and then you're growing the community that's Mm -hmm. that's the the web that i'm trying to to create for sure so each i work on each person and then you know each person is my mission Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they help to create that that nice community definitely mm-hmm. let's let's shine a little bit of light on the challenge of having multiple learning styles in your class and this kind of ties into that skill of being able to multitask and with this i also help hope to shed some light on the students to kind of appreciate what an instructor does before or during a class and Stephanie also mentioned being a conduit, like there's an exchange of energy as well, for sure. And if you're exchanging energy with 20, 30, 50, 60, 100 people, you know, like that does take a toll on your energy sometimes, you know. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of, of understanding of yeah, empathy, what, patience, mm-hmm. insights. Yes. So, you know, there's many different personality types and people have different expectations walking into the classroom as well. Most people want to learn very quickly. Like, just give me the saidas, you know, what are the leg passes? What, how do you move your butt? Oh, my goodness. Mm. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you get people, one girl said, I'm a Zumba instructor. Can I go to your intermediate class? I know how to dance already. OMG. Exactly. And right from that statement, I was like, oh, dear. I felt such resistance. And it was going to be really hard to get her to be open to what I was going to say. And I said, have you had any other partner dance experience? Nope. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Well, 
today, now that you're here, you know, it is the beginner class, <laughs> not intermediate. And I really suggest you start from the beginning. I'm a teacher and I start from the beginning too. That's just the learning process. Mm -hmm. And she was so impatient as well. Yeah, I guess I'm here. How many people are in the class and who's, who comes and, you know, all those questions that really have nothing to do with, with learning. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was very impatient with the older people in the class as well. It was very tough for me to handle that. Um, and she left after 20 minutes and I was so relieved. And actually she didn't come back to the intermediate class either. And I was also relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing your story reminds me of another instructor, uh, Marietta, who talked to me about like feeling the energy of your class. And when you have somebody oh. that can interrupt or disrupt yep. that energy in the class. And when that person is not there, it's a total relief, you know? Yeah. I and personally, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as an instructor, you definitely try to cater to everybody to the mm -hmm. best of your ability because you definitely mm -hmm. want to grow the community. But at the same time, you have to be able to choose when to draw the line and yeah. have, okay, maybe this student isn't a good match for me, you know? Yes, there's some boundaries as well that the teacher is allowed to have. And, you know, I have to be honest, like, in all my years of teaching, it happened very, very rarely. But there have been situations where I just cannot take the energy of a person. And I usually know from the beginning, the first few seconds. And, you know, it's not that maybe they have liked me, but I have not liked them in terms of energy. They just give me a headache. It's like static. Mm, it that way. That's a good word. It's not personal. It's just uh, I'm absorbing some static and it gives me a headache in the class. So often those people take themselves out, just like I described. But sometimes the ones who like me, they just keep staying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, a teacher can be very drained at the end of even one hour and have to, you know, really decompress and recalibrate and breathe and even change the energy so that they're back up and I'm going to uplift myself, of course. Yes. Um, and Definitely. yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating though to be a teacher because you do have to understand personality types and how people deal with themselves. You know, I think I'm like the third party who just points things out and if they're open to receiving, they will. If they're not open I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to try and control their learning to mm. the point where I control the environment as best as I can. I control myself, but I can't control the learning process of somebody. Yeah, and it's interesting because sometimes you just plant seeds in their mind or in their yeah. dance ability, you know? And yeah. over time, through social dancing and taking other people's classes and privates and just... I mean, one, they'll have that aha moment, you know, and it'll click. Some people, you, you give a statement in class and, it, and they immediately have an aha moment, maybe because you just bloomed the seed that another instructor or maybe somebody else planted from a, a while ago. But it's definitely a, a community of instructors that kind of can help that happen 
or mm-hmm. the person just kind of matures and they can just take your class and it's the same thing that that seed will someday grow and bloom and it'll they'll have that aha moment you know yeah that's what we all hope for yeah mm-hmm. you know i just i don't know why i'm gonna throw this out but i just had two experiences that flashed in my mind of two uh one is a very well-known teacher obviously i'm not saying names mm-hmm. and the other one is is pretty well known in his area in his community and they gave classes each of them and they talked for the whole hour they just talked and it was hilarious because I guess it came to my mind because I re-asked you what the question was and I was about to joke and say, obviously, I'm not auditory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then it reminded me of these two two instructors. So, obviously, I couldn't pay attention to that whole hour. It was all talking. But most people started sitting down and they couldn't handle just standing up in the same place. And the teacher didn't realize it. Neither of them did. And they're so didactic, you know, just talking about, you should be doing this. And, you know, I've danced for 20 years, and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and we didn't learn anything mm. except that we were tired. <laughs> um, and it's interesting that they did not control the flow. Uh, they weren't about the mission statement. They weren't about the others. They were highly into themselves and what they had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't get the students moving at all. There was no music. You know, point, the bottom line is they learned nothing. And I couldn't believe they paid all that money. One was at a festival. but Actually, both were. Yeah. So you go for the one hour to hear the star. Uh, not here. You want to take their class and learn something really valuable. That's what makes them a star to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with this just blah, blah, blah for one hour and you wasted your money. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And because you're talking about ego as well. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and how that plays up, how that shows up in the dancing. So hearing you talk just makes me remember when I kind of mentor my leads in the class. It's like you have to listen to how the follow is listening to you. And I feel that same thing can be applied to a, a student instructor relationship as an instructor you have to listen to how the students are receiving your information and be aware of that energy in the room you know and if people are sitting down or if that energy is tired or something like that you have to be able to pick up on that and and change it and we talked about like the planning you know like okay i had my plan this is what i'm going to do but if you see that the the quote unquote ship is sinking then sometimes (laughs) you have to abandon ship and kind of go to something else you know so it it just kind of goes into that awareness and being aware of the energy in the room and there's so many Throw facets. Life jackets out. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. kind of help out to kind of salvage the class and see what you can do to make the best of the time that you have with those students, you know? Yeah. So, Stephanie, it's definitely been awesome for our first podcast. Um, I can't wait to have more podcasts for sure because I just feel like whenever we talk about dance, it's just like a natural flow of mm-hmm. ideas and like, your mission is to uplift. My mission is to inspire. So we can definitely kind of like tag team and kind of put this out there for the universe. So yes. I would like to give you the platform one last time to give any uplifting messages that you feel fit 
for our audience and then give them the best way to reach you on the interwebs. Okay. And then we'll also talk about the feelers next time. I'm pumped about that. Yes. Well, I would like to leave one last message today just by saying that as a student, I think the best advice I could give is not to be in a right or wrong mentality and mode and be very patient with yourselves. Empower yourself. Know what kind of learner you are and it's definitely going to make your experience better and you'll also learn more quickly and you'll just get a sense of accomplishment much faster. Choose your instructor. Take several classes with different people and you decide who is best for you and which teacher is the most open to your comments if you're going to say well I'm a feeler and I need this this and that which one is going to adapt to you so good luck in everyone's dance uh, journey and just know that you can always learn more it never stops otherwise it would be boring <laughs> <laughs> definitely and what's the best way for people to reach you uh, on social media uh-huh so if you want to to go on the go dance page i get mixed up with page and group it's okay. um, or or sunday kizomba social i'm very active on that and blog a lot i'm going to write all the um in point form the differences between the thinkers and the feelers so people can actually go there and, and see which one they are most of definitely their percentages together mm -hmm. i can put your links in the show notes and i can also put whatever post that you make about these bullet points of the thinkers and the feelers yeah. um in the show notes as well so that way if you're listening to the podcast you can just head over to the website neokizoma.com and find the show notes there and yeah. find this information Great. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And I'll see you in the next podcast. All right. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.